Computer, initialize Holosuite. where we analyze, discuss, and review randomly selected Star Trek episodes. My name is Matt, and I'll be your host on this installment of RTR, and I'm joined by my good friend Andrew, who has uh, returned to us from the dead, although he's looking distinctly Kobali today. Um, Andrew, how are you? I'm pretty good. I think that the doctor will be able to, like, magically make me look back to my human self in no time. I just have to go in for treatments, you know, once or twice a day. I think I'll be okay. Have you got a wig chosen? I know that they can't fix the, the hair thing. Yeah, you know, I gotta I gotta go down to the toupee replimat and see, you know, which I think I try to get my old style back. <laughs> you know, part down the middle. That's gonna look good. Well, it sounds like you uh, watched the episode because you know what I'm talking about. Um, episode 9 of Random Trek Review. We're uh, almost into the double digits. I know, and we're kind of cruising along here nicely. I feel that... Uh, you know, very soon we're going to be into the 60s and 70s and 80s, and these ones we're probably going to look back and think, geez, what were we doing? We are amateurs back then, now we're pros, but that's, we're getting close. That's right. All right, why don't we start by um, uh, going over my recall from uh, the end of the, the last podcast. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Well, i got to say I'm impressed. Um, I didn't really remember this one as the one that you recalled, which was what, what it was. Lindsay Ballard, she comes back. She's an alien. There's a species that uses dead bodies to kind of reproduce or recreate, and they come back, and there's a Harry Kim romance, and you had the name, and you had... You had it all, so I think that uh, this is another, uh, another five out of five, and this week we are doing five out of five hairbrushes. Hairbrushes. Five out of five hairbrushes this week, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty impressed, um, especially since for some reason I thought that this Lindsay Ballard character was from you know season one or two and was kind of like lingering about, and then it turns out that it was kind of a one-off, so I was even more impressed when I learned about that, because I always had kind of thought that they had planted seeds, but they did not, which we'll discuss later. Yes, uh, I thought maybe that would have been a little better if they had sort of made it one of those characters from early on but um yeah i think that it, i mean especially because they had the whole harry romance and i think at this point he had already had lots of different girlfriends and things like that so if they had set it up ahead of time that it was somebody who passed away on a mission that we had seen when they came back it would have been whoa it would have almost been like tasha yar in next generation when she comes back as sila mm-hmm. it was like whoa i can't believe that that's crazy and it would have been a similar feel. I wish they had maybe done that, but I, that would have required some forethought. Yes, it certainly would have. Which Voyager did sometimes, but not always. Yes. Now, we are, of course, talking about uh, the Voyager episode Ashes to Ashes. Uh, it's from season six. It was episode 18. It originally aired on March 1st, 2000, and it guest stars Kim Rhodes as Lindsay Ballard slash Jet Laya. Marley McLean as Megazotti, Scarlett Palmers as Naomi Wildman, Kevin Lowe as Caret, Manu Intirani as Icheb, Kurt Weatherill as Azan, and Cody Weatherill as Rebbe. 
It was written by Robert Doherty, and it was based on a story by Ronald Wilkerson and directed by Terry Windell. Just a quick synopsis in case you didn't have a chance to uh, watch it. The episode opens with an alien shuttle, an alien in a shuttle trying to evade a larger vessel. After the shuttle escapes from its pursuer, the pilot sends out a call to Voyager. The transmission is received by Mazzotti in the astrometrics lab, but she accidentally cuts the alien off. Tuvok walks in and questions why Mazzotti is in astrometrics, soon followed by Shteb Seven, who is chagrined that Mazzotti wandered off. Tuvok is able to re-establish contact with the alien, who recognizes his voice and asks to speak with the captain. The alien claims to be Lindsay Ballard, a member of the crew had, who had died on an away mission several years earlier and had her corpse reanimated by a species called the Kobali as a part of their reproductive process. The doctor corroborates Ballard's story, and the crew works to reintegrate Ballard back into the crew. Meanwhile, Seven struggles to care for the children the crew recently rescued from the Borg. The children rebel against Seven's strict study schedule and even cheat at Cotiscott, prompting the invocation of punishment protocols from Seven. Ballard unpacks her stuff from storage and talks to Harry about her funeral and about how seeing Harry again kept her going while she was off with the Kabali. The doctor is unable to make Ballard human again, but he has devised a method to make her look human. She tries to get back into her routine, but things don't seem quite right. Her salad doesn't taste the way she remembers, and she goes off in Kobali while working in engineering. Seven asks for Chakotay's help with the children, but after Chakotay reviews the schedule devised by Seven, she, he refuses, advising her that she will have to figure out what to do with them on her own. After Ballard enjoys dinner with the captain, she has a dream where no one in the crew seems to want to have her back. This prompts her to go talk to Harry, where he reveals that he has feelings for her. Seven has the children do some sculpting, and while Echeb and the twins do as instructed, Mazzotti decides to sculpt something different. Seven recognizes the need to let the children have some fun and compliments Mazzotti's sculpture rather than initiate another punishment protocol. A Kobali ship approaches and Corette, Ballard's father, pleads with Ballard to return home to her Kobali family. Ballard refuses and tells Corette that she is good as dead to him, and Corette insists he will fight to the death in order to have her come home. Ballard's struggle to, remain, to maintain her human identity continued and, continue, and when the doctor's alterations to make her look human falter, she freaks out at the doctor and starts thinking of going back to the Kobali. When three Kobali ships attack, Ensign Ballard surrenders to them, much to Harry's chagrin. After the Kobali leave with Ballard, a distraught Ensign Kim gives Ballard's hairbrush to Mazzotti. All right, Andrew, let's start by uh, giving a quick overall impression of the episode. Uh, what, did, what did you think generally uh, about it? I liked this one. I think that if they had set it up ahead of time, more like in the Deep Space Nine vein, where plots continued along and characters showed back up and it was more of a continuity thing, I would have liked it a lot more. That being said, I think it is a solid episode with a ton of really good ideas. Stuff that I absolutely love that I will talk about when we get to plot points as we go. In terms of when I first saw this one and memories of the episode, I, I vaguely do remember this one because I think that Voyager did a lot of death episodes. Uh, I feel that this episode was right in line. There was an episode where Neelix dies for three minutes or something. The Doctor brings him back and he thinks that he was going to go to the Talaxian heaven and he should have been there if he was dead for three minutes and he has this 
uh, existential crisis. There was an episode of uh, where Balana goes to Klingon Hell or something, and I feel it was right along the same string. So I do remember those episodes all kind of being close to one another, and I that's about as much as I remember of it. I remember you know a crew member coming back and being dead. Uh, when I was watching it, there wasn't a lot of the other beats that I was picking up. How about you? Did you like this one, and what were your first memories of it? Uh, I thought overall it was it was good. Um, like like you said, there there's some cool ideas in it. Um, I really liked how they brought the the, the dead crew member back. Um, that's something that you never really had seen before, and it's a it was a I thought it was a really original idea um, to bring back a dead crew member. Because I mean, when you're in the science fiction world, there's a, any number of ways you can do it. But I thought this one was really original, and it was really good. And it's not too crazy. I think there are species of ants that use other bodies to lay their eggs in and stuff and there's even ants that they can they can bite something and turn them almost into little zombies and things like that so it's not crazy crazy far-fetched i did like that yeah exactly yeah it's not i mean it isn't far-fetched especially out in the depths of outer space um i, I really like the secondary plot um i thought it was really there it led to a lot of really funny uh moments Seven really struggling with these like these kids that are you know very rebellious and unruly. Um, yeah, I agree. And I thought the tension and in the episode it, it really built well towards the end. Like it was kind of once they sort of got past Ballard, like they accepted that Ballard is who she says she is. It was really sort of loose and carefree, and then it sort of there there was like that little bit of that little like her not quite fitting in and yeah, it just sort of yeah. got worse and worse and worse as the episode went on and I, I thought that was really um, effective. As for the, the first time I saw it, I mean, it would probably have been during the original run. I, I'm not really 100% sure because towards the last couple seasons of Voyager, I, I think I was getting a little like Star Trek fatigue because yeah. it had been going for nonstop for like over 10 years at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but I, it was one that definitely stuck out because of the interesting way that they brought back um, the dead crew members so um, it, it's one that I definitely remembered and uh, well I mean it's obvious the way I was able to recall it sure. at the end of the last podcast so um, yeah it's it, I think it's a good episode uh, for sure um, now usually we try to deep dig into some background or, or development info but um, there, there really really wasn't much out there for this episode and I'm not really sure why that is I don't know if you were able to dig anything up any I did a little bit of reading but I didn't really find anything of too too much interest I think this is about as run-of-the-mill weekly Voyager as you're gonna get yeah, the the one thing I did sort of I, I looked into this Ronald Wilkerson uh, guy who wrote the, the story um, and I didn't recognize it at first, but I was kind of piqued my interest for some reason. I just thought, I wonder what this who this guy is. Like I thought, I guess I thought maybe it was one of those like fan written episodes. Yeah. But I did dig look look into it, and um, I mean, he has written a, a handful of Star Trek episodes. Like I think he's written either written the script or done the story for I think seven, um, a few TNG and a few oh. Voyagers. But uh, apparently, he did a lot of writing for Stargate SG One. Oh. So that's sort of, um, I guess, what he's best known for. Yeah, I never watched that. Did you ever watch Star Trek? Never, never watched it. Oh, okay. I loved the movie when I was a kid and it came out, but I, I never I watched, watched the show. Watched the show. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I guess that's that's really all uh, I could find. Yeah, me too. All right, let's uh, get into some uh, some plot points here. Um, the first thing I thought we could talk about was the, the teaser, which um, makes sense because it's the first thing that happens in the episode. 
Um, we sort of have this cold open with an alien shuttle being pursued by a larger vessel. And then once the, the shuttle sort of escapes, it, it it's then shows like the, the, the panel and it's like looking for Voyager. Um, what do you like, what do you think of this sort of kind of style of opening? Because um, I think, I feel like Voyager may have done this something, sort of a variation on this more than once. And I just thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, I like it. I like that there's no universal translator. So when they're speaking, they're speaking in their native tongue. It kind of sets up later when she starts speaking out of tongue when she's in engineering and stuff like that. So I did like that. That's right. Uh, I can always go for some more no universal translator. I really like uh, Deep Space Nine, Little Green Men. When they go back and they don't have any translators, I thought that was, I love that kind of stuff. That seems really funny. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, (laughs) right? Uh, And I like that it kind of keeps in the the nature of it, the idea that the comm badges is the thing that's converting the languages for everybody. Everybody's going to speak in their own language and you're just hearing English because that's what all the Starfleet guys are. So I, I definitely like that. I think that it's a, it's an interesting way to kind of start the episode off because you don't know why they're looking for Voyager necessarily. They're obviously on the run. I don't think we saw that species ever before, so it was completely new and fresh. So I like it. I, I think that it's a good way to start it off, and I like that it's a little bit of a mystery to start off. Yeah, I really like that style as well. Um, it, I always find it very intriguing. Like, it, it's intriguing, right? You see this alien, like, very alien. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, oh, like a point in years. Or well, you know, Voyager was good for that. Yes. Um, Voyager always had aliens that they kind of went to the next level in terms of the makeup department and stuff, more so than I think any of the other series. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I actually, um, that's a good point that you make that she's actually speaking in her native tongue so you have no idea what, what yeah, she's what saying and why she's looking for Voyager because you have no idea what is going on what she's saying mm-hmm. um and and yeah I mean it creates interest right like who who is this person who is this alien and, and why are they looking for Voyager so I I really like the that opening um and I mean it wasn't it wasn't long either but it, it didn't need to be yeah that's kind of I like the teasers that are kind of short short and sweet yeah so um, the alien turns out to be a member of the crew who died during an away mission uh, two years earlier. Um, now the crew was like very suspicious. Um, do you like blame them for being like that level suspicious? Where like they said we're not gonna even talk to you until the doctor like does all this genetic. Yeah, I think that maybe that would be more realistic. You have to think that this is just the command crew that's making this decision, and they would make these difficult decisions all the time. There's a big conceit in this episode, and I don't know if you thought of it, but how did she catch up? She was living with these aliens for however long, then she escaped. How did she catch up to them? So I think that they're a little bit, they should be suspicious because it doesn't really make a ton of sense why that person would come. They also don't have any science knowledge of reanimation or anything like that. So I think that they they played that part of it right. Um, And it is... Yeah, I think that they played it right. What about you? Yeah, I didn't even think about like being away for two years and how it doesn't really make sense that they, she was. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to kind of eat it, right? Well, yeah, I mean, Voyager kind of stops off and does this and that and everything. But remember, the Voyager has how fast is Voyager? Nine point nine seven five. Yes. So that's really fast. <laughs> and she's yeah. in a little shuttle, right? So. Yeah, I guess I didn't even think of that. Maybe maybe they have slipstream technology beforehand or something, you know, like maybe they have some sort of 
trans warp corridor or something that they use or mm. whatever. They don't need to explain it. I don't. I, th- I just wrote it down so I was nitpicking, but um, that made I, I would make me suspicious, right? Yeah, I mean, it's funny uh, you mentioned um, Sila earlier. Um, I, one thing that I sort of thought of is I was like, well, you know, has this ever come up before? And if you you remember when when Sila first appears in the Next Generation, like they are super suspicious. Mm-hmm. They're like, what is going on here? Right. They like assumed it was some sort of like Romulan plot, yeah, well, right? They they altered, you know, they surgically altered someone to look like her to try right. to gain a strategic advantage and. Um, and it turns out that it was 100% legitimate. Yeah. As far as we know, anyway. <laughs> True. I'm sure if you go into the novels and stuff, maybe it's not. But, I mean, as far as we know, it was, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I tend to agree that it's not... I don't think it's really unjustified for them to be that level of suspicious. Because, I mean, like you say, it comes completely out of left field. And, like, someone who's been dead for two years, like... Yeah, and, I mean, we already mentioned it in the, the preamble, but this is such a great piece of science fiction the idea that you pass away you know whatever you believe in your soul is gone or what have you it's just your body then another species uses that body and and that's their reproductive tool and then you know there's this weird kind of difference between the new person and the old person that's kind of a fight and they even mention in the episode that most of the times it doesn't even matter they just completely go to the new person but in rare in rare cases the old person starts to take hold right so that's just such a great little idea and uh yeah i think they did a really good job of it i think that i mean they could obviously have gone a lot of different ways with this particular one but i think they did a good job with the idea yep now um so this is an episode that deals with with a crew member dying um which will bring us to, uh, we haven't had a trivia question in a while. Yeah, that's true. We kind of got off of our trivia questions. But I have one for you. Now, Lindsay Ballard certainly isn't the main character per se. Um, in fact, and we never even actually saw her before this episode, but there are some main characters who have died on screen uh, in, in Star Trek. How many of these main characters who died on the screen can you name? Now I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you two sort of um, caveats here. Okay. Um, I'm Cisco does not count because we don't actually know what happened to him. Okay. So we're gonna throw Cisco off the off the board here. Okay. And we're also not. I'm not gonna count Discovery because um, they don't really have a lot of main characters. Yeah, there's so many. They sort of come and go, and yeah. Yeah, so of, of the of the like of the um, how many series five, five okay, series I guess, previous yeah the way that it would make sense would be to start from the earliest and go from there so in and the, mo- movies count too okay so in the original series but not the Abrams movies <laughs> uh, so in the original series yes. obviously the big one is Spock Spock that's one and then if you wanted to flip it around to the Abrams first which I know you don't I think Kirk dies in Into Darkness yeah uh, but Kirk dies in Generations that's right okay. In terms of the regular... There are, eight, there are eight possible answers. Wow, really? For original yes. series, eh? No, no, for, for the five combined. Oh, for five combined. Okay, so I got two of the five. Or two of the eight. Two of the eight. Okay. Yes. So, original series, I think that they kill a lot of red-shirt people, but not a ton of... Well, they're not main characters. characters. Not, they're main, not characters. main characters. So then, Next Generation, you've got Sila... Or, sorry, uh, Tashiar. That's right, correct. You've got Data and Nemesis. Correct. Does Wesley, Russian Crusher didn't die, he kind of went with a traveler, that's different. No, 
No, he did not. He, he didn't die on screen. Right. So no, not Wesley. Okay, you got Gen Z Dax. That's right. That's another one. That's five. You got three uh, left. In Enterprise, I think Trip dies at the end. Yes, correct. I feel like, and are we including kind of like minor characters like Morn and stuff like that? Like I know he doesn't. He dies in Who Mourns for Morn, but then he's not actually dead. Like we're not. Like, these are main characters. If they're in the main credits. If they're in the main credits. Wow. Okay. There's two more. There's two more, and you're not including Cisco. No. Okay, I think that I'm assuming there's one I'm missing from Enterprise because I don't remember watching a whole ton of it at the end. Uh, and I think that there is one from the movie. Am I missing any from the movie? No. I do not believe so. No. So I'm okay. There's one. I think there's one from Enterprise, and I think there's one from Bones doesn't die on screen. Scotty doesn't die on screen. Ooh, man, that's tough. Okay, I, I think I got six of the... Actually, here, give me a little... Give me a hint. For the last two, what are the series? There's one from Deep Space Nine and one from Voyager. There's one from Deep Space Nine and one from Voyager. I'll give you another... Oh, so did, did Kess die? I'll give you another hint. Okay. They they die, but they don't... But they come back. Okay. In did the he... same episode. Okay. It's kind of, I'm kind of being uh, mean. Okay, so is it when Harry Kim died and then he came back in uh, Emanations? Uh, that's not what I was thinking of. Okay. But Kim is, is Kim is the one one who he dies. Yes. He dies and he comes back. There's an episode where he dies. Okay. And there's like a uh, an alternate version of Voyager, and he, the alternate version of Harry Kim comes into the like original. Oh, okay. I kind of remember episode. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a tough one. So and that's the other one, Deep Space Nine. Let me think. Uh, the other Deep Space Nine one. It's like a similar. Similar situation. I wonder if you can get the figure out which character it is, though. Yeah. Uh, is it uh, is it Bashir when he was uh, abducted by the Dominion? No, he no. was alive then. No. I don't know. Give me it. It was O'Brien. Yes, they and they found him in that little room that was like in the cave. No, no. Remember, there was that episode where he was like time shifting, like a like a few hours into the future, mm-hmm. and then. He had to like prevent some attack that was gonna blow up the station, and so they like purposely sent him forward so that he could fix everything. But he like died while he was doing that. Right. But the O'Brien from that time period like found him, and he was like, "You have to go back and tell them." And he right. gave him like the device that sends him back, and then he went. Yes. Back. Okay. Okay. That's pretty good. And I guess didn't Jake die, and he died in that one episode with the father? Remember? Um, oh, the visitor. The visitor. Like he kind of dies at the end, right? The old or like the yeah, the mm. yeah they're, they're, we're, it's it's very tough with Star Trek. You can start splitting hairs pretty good. You it's know, I'm, true, yeah. that's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with six of eight. And that's, you know, we gotta bring good. that trivia thing back. Yeah, trivia we'll thing maybe, is good. Yeah, we'll try to make, think of some more fun trivia questions. Yeah, I like that idea. Anyway, getting back to the episode, um, the crew. So once they just they're satisfied that Ballard is who she says they are. I mean, they 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 try to like reintegrate. Ballard and she she sits down with Ensign Kim at one point she talks about all the things she wanted to do when she came back um, and there was the list mm-hmm. um, what, what did you think of the list um, I think it's a nice idea I think that that's a very realistic thing I think people who have near-death experiences and things like that probably do a similar thing where they make a list of you know must do's or things they always wanted to do I thought that it was strange that they didn't really mention, I actually have in my notes here, shouldn't Harry be really good at helping in this situation? Because as we just talked about, he had died multiple times before this happened, right? He died in Emanations and he died in that episode that you're mentioning where he, um, 
Well, I guess it wouldn't be the same area though, would it? So emanations, he literally died, and then they did. Re, re, you know, they boosted him basically right afterwards. So um, I thought that he would might be kind of more helpful. Uh, this whole thing, I have in brackets, and then with a big explanation point. Why can't this be happy? I could just tell. You can just tell, like, this is too good to be true. Everybody's smiling, everybody's laughing, everybody's having a good time, and I could just tell it wasn't going to last. How about you? <laughs> I, well, getting back to the list, I thought I also thought it was kind of a nice little um, touch. I thought it was kind of, I, I thought it added some realism, because I think a lot of people, if you were separated from your home for, for so long, then, yeah, you would... I, I feel like you'd be like, oh, yeah, the first thing I do when I get back is I'm mm-hmm. going to do this and then this and then this and go see this person and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, as for, like, I, I guess the sort of the, the too-good-to-be-true-ness of it, um, yeah, I think it seemed kind of, uh, it, it sort of, I thought it sort of foreshadowed right off the bat that maybe this isn't going to work out so so well, even right. though everything looked like Gillian was... Seemed like she, yeah, it seemed like she was doing great, and then it was just that little bit like, oh, just not quite. Oh, just the food doesn't taste quite right. And yeah. it just kept kind of building and building. You could just tell it was going to end, sadly, unfortunately. And I guess there's not that many episodes of Star Trek where it's just a feel-good, you know, laugh fest where everybody has a jolly good time and there's no real tension or anything. It comes up on occasion, but usually it's trying to make a point and push a moral, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I like that stuff. It. Hey, Andrew here, and I just wanted to say thanks for listening to Random Trek Review. Uh, if you want to get some more Star Trek goodness, then make sure to check out the RTR blog at randomtrekreview.blogspot.com. You can also find us on social media, iTunes by searching for Random Trek Review, Twitter for by searching at Rando Trek Review, and Instagram at Random Trek Review. Or if you just want to use the old style way of emailing questions comments or just gripes in general then feel free to drop us a line at randomtrekreview at gmail.com now the uh, the secondary plot in this i thought was great um i really thought it was um really good it led to some really memorable and funny uh, parts of the the episode i mean to me it's probably i mean i i do remember the uh sort of the main idea of bringing back the dead crew member but i think this is probably the part that i remembered most once i sort of got into the episode i was like oh yes this is the one where seven has a um a rough time with those these borg children um did you think seven was the right choice to be looking after them i guess it makes sense because she had converted herself from a borg to back to a human person i think that they probably picked her for laughs and also I think this is kind of right in the heart of seven of nine being the thing that's pushing the ratings uh, at the time I think that was kind of the knock on it but looking back on it now I think that seven of nine is actually a really cool character and really good I think that uh, I mean I'm watching the beginnings of Voyager over again and Kess is interesting enough uh, and I think that it fit well for the beginning of the series when they were really far in the Delta Quadrant where the Ocampa and all those people were. But I think that 709 brought kind of a freshness that was, um, she could kind of play everything with playing for laughs here. She could be deadly. There's a lot of things, right? I think that everybody just thinks about the, the jumpsuit and, you know, the form-fitting outfits and that, and that was all it was. But, and, and that probably was, but I think that this is a, she's a perfect character for this 
the you know disciplined protocols and fun will commence and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's just it's all just gold, gold, gold every time they come back to that B plot, which is not always the case in Star Trek. Yeah, um, I I thought she was sort of right as far as um, like because she'd sort of gone through a similar experience herself several years earlier sure. when she was liberated from the Borg. So I mean, from that point of view, it's it's perfectly logical because these kids. Uh, maybe not to the same extreme that, that she did because she was a grown adult and she didn't really know anything else. She was assimilated as a child. So like that's the only life that she knew. So her transformation to a human was pretty uh, pretty extreme. And maybe in, in this case, it wouldn't be as big because they're still kids. Um, so I, I mean, from that standpoint, it makes perfect sense. But I mean, she had her hands full. Uh, with these kids, obviously, because she like had zero experience, you know, right. dealing with with kids. So, um, I mean, it made for a great, um, you know, secondary plot because you know she's got these, you know, kids that are like just at that age where like they want to start thinking on their own right. and, and talking she, back and everything. Yeah, and I mean, she's got this like you know very rich. Uh, rigid uh schedule for them to right. follow and like that's the probably the worst thing you can do with uh, kids that age yeah i think that it's one of those other things too where these are probably the best behaved bad kids ever you know they're star trek level bad but they're not nearly as bad as they could be which kind of just makes it even funnier to me i think <laughs> you will initiate a punishment protocol and they just sort of like lower their heads and, and go to the away. corner yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, we sort of talked a bit about the foreshadowing um, in the last segment, but um, I want to like really get into the, the foreshadowing that was sort of throughout the episode. I mean, I felt like there were signs, like even right from the beginning, and we sort of touched on a few of them. Um, what, at what point did you think she was not going to end up staying? I mean, was there like one point in the episode where you were like, no, that's it, she's going to be gone at the well, end? There was a point where I recognized that she didn't become a crew member that shows up later episodes. So when I saw the character come on, I was racking my brain. I was thinking, I don't remember this character ever again. So obviously something happens. Either she dies or she goes back or something like that. So, But other than that, I think it was probably when she goes and has the food and she's more in tune with the, the alien food than her old favorites. And it just kind of seems like kind of hollow. And there's real disappointment in her face and in that scene where it was one of the things on the list. It was one of the things that she was fighting for, looking for. And then to see that it was was not the same and that it wasn't how she remembered it was, was very sad. It kind of reminded me almost like somebody who was in jail and they just couldn't wait to get out of jail so they could go and have a McDonald's Big Mac or something. They finally get out after years and years and years and they go and have the Big Mac and it's just it's not what it lived up to be it could never live up to the hype and this is even going a step further because it actually just tastes bad um so i think that that was kind of the first sign that this is this is not going to go well and then she starts to get more frustrated and she's having a harder and harder time fitting in and it's like i said i i had it written on my sheet before i just i knew that it was going this way pretty much right when things were kind of too rosy in the second act you could just tell it was going to end in heartbreak unfortunately you're much less optimistic than I was. Um, <laughs> I I mean, I couldn't exactly, when I turned this episode on, I couldn't exactly remember how it ended. Um, so I was, I mean, I couldn't remember if she stayed or not. 
Um, but for me, it was um, the scene in the mess hall where she was, uh, I think Harry was, like, talking about her, her human father and, like, she couldn't even remember right, him. Right, yeah. Like, I sort of was sort of on the fence, sort of. There were, there were, like, moments before that where I was like, oh, I don't know if she's going to stay. And then there would someone else would be like, oh, maybe she will. And then after that scene, I yeah. was like, she's, she's going to be gone. There's no yeah. Way. And that kind of, is, it was showing that it wasn't just a body it was also the like your mind starts losing its old memories. The old part of you is actually disintegrating and leaving. So it's only the more recent things that were the things that were driving her forward and they were just kind of slipping away, almost like a dementia or something, which was, again, very sad. Yeah, yeah, I guess it was kind of a sad part of the episode, how things, like, you want, you know, you're, like, in her corner. Like, you want her to, you know, feel at home and fit in, right? And but all these little things keep cropping up and yeah, it was kind of a sad part of the episode. Yeah, definitely. And then um, when she goes and has the dinner with the captain, what did you think of that uh, scene? Cause I thought that that is another part of this episode that I just thought is such a great idea. Somebody who is actually sitting down and, and going face to face with somebody who basically signed your death warrant, right? They sent you on the mission that killed you. Now you come back and they're going to sit down and have a nice big like pot roast and everything else. Um, what did you think of that scene? Uh, well, I'm going to get the like nitpicky stuff. Out. Like, How does a replicator burn a pot roast? Oh, I hated that. That, that is so stupid. It was like, so that, that is That is just sitcom writing 101. Oh, I burned the pot roast. Wah, wah. What does it add? It's just, that, is so, that is so dumb. I, that, I agree. I hated that so much. That makes no sense. And it's just... Like, how does it happen? Like, does she, like, misprogram the, the replicator? Like, I don't understand. The replicator brings it out at the temperature you want. And if you, even if it was burnt, why wouldn't you just make another one? <laughs> like, that's... Uh, I hated that. I, yeah, I kind of was troubled. I was trying to forget that stupid part. But, yeah, um, aside from the burnt pot... Or well, and then the follow-up to that is, like, so, uh, like, how many captains have, like, a fancy bread box sitting on their table, like, on standby with, like, nice peanut butter and jam, like, just in case? Yeah. Like, I mean, it just seems so like so ticky tack like and again that would have been something if they had set up ahead of time that Lindsay Ballard loved peanut butter and jelly in a previous episode and the captain knew that and went and got a replicated it up early just in case or something I don't know that that would have been I think I know what they were going for there they were trying to make it seem like the captain was you know oh they're so like inept in the kitchen or yeah I guess so maybe because <laughs> Maybe because Cisco was so good in the kitchen, they thought Jamie has to be bad, even Maybe. though nobody's really cooking anything. I mean, it's that whole that whole thing, the whole dinner part of it, I thought was really dumb. But the interactions between the two were really good because I don't like she doesn't hold back. She starts giving her the gears almost immediately and it's very rare that you see Janeway kind of back on her heels like you do in this yeah. scene which is I thought was great yeah yeah no it was uh, I mean there something good did come of that scene for sure even though it started off horribly um <laughs> but yeah I was like that was a pretty uh pretty pretty blatant uh you know shot across the bow you know why did you send me on that mission and yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty intense. And Janeway doesn't really have a comeback either. She just says, "I thought you were good for it," and sometimes that stuff happens. We had seen Picard in this in this exact situation before, right? Where he kind of had feelings for a crew member, and then he had to send them on a dangerous mission, and he kind of realizes that it, this is not a kind of thing that I can do. If you're the captain, that's unfortunately part of it, right? 
Yeah, um, I kind of feel with Voyager though it's different because of the fact that it's so small. Janeway's kind of more like the mom, and the crew members are should be anyway more kind of intimately known. Yeah, right? I feel like if you lived in an apartment complex with two hundred people and you saw them all the time and interacted with them all the time, you're the landlord. Eventually, you pretty much know everybody. So um, I think that that could have been maybe a little bit warmer, but. Um, yeah, I thought it was a great scene and a great idea for a scene. Like I was mentioning earlier, I think that this is a just this. I like to see this kind of stuff more often, actually. Now that brings us sort of to um, Corette, which was her Kobali uh, father, um, and he, you know, he he sort of tracks her down and sort of pleads with her to go back, and she's like, "Nope, I'm not going. I'm as good as dead to you." Um, now eventually, he he gathers some friends, and he, uh, you know. Pummels him with phasers for a little while, and right. and um, now were you like I mean I, I guess I mean, I've sort of already answered this question, but um, I mean given the signs earlier in the episode, were you really that surprised when she offered to go back? No, not really. Especially when they came back from our ships and they kind of said Voyager can't do anything against these; they're just gonna blow it up otherwise. It was the only real logical thing. I kind of felt bad for the dad. Uh, it, it had a real feeling of maybe like an adoptive father whose kid wanted to go back and find their like biological parents or something and he just feel seemed genuinely sad about it right and, and he really wanted to come back and you could tell that this is not really something that happens all the time it's mostly would work and this was a situation where it didn't and they kind of had this fall back to their previous host or previous life or whatever you want to call it and so i thought that uh yeah i thought that i, I it was one of those things where kind of everybody their, their reasons and rational for the things they're doing made sense. Yeah, I mean, by the time you get to that point, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was really surprised. The thing that surprised me, though, is, like, once the battle began, like, I thought she would just, like, right away just be like, okay, you know what? I'll just go back. I'm yeah. just going to go, but, I mean, I guess it's more dramatic if you sort of right. this little Wait till it's like battle. Like 10% and, 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 you know, Harry's like, no, don't do it, don't do it. Captain, right. don't listen to her. She doesn't know what she's talking yeah. about. And, and it's, yeah, so, I mean, it kind of, I guess, ratchets up the, the, the drama a little bit, but... um yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, I think by that point it was pretty. The writing was pretty much on the wall at that point. That you know, she's not going to be able to stick around. She's yeah, she's no, really definitely. struggling, and um, the crew's not. I mean, they were really trying to accept her, but I think she wasn't really willing to accept her her place again. And it was probably and she was just going to become more and more distant, right? That's yeah. the other thing was that she was just going to become further and further and further away from them. So yeah, it was not going to get. It, it didn't seem to be getting much better. Now, I, to me, sort of the main theme of this episode is, like, sort of struggling to fit in and find your place amongst, you know, whether it's, in, you know, Lindsay Ballard trying to fit in after being away from the crew for, for you know, two-plus years, or whether it's these bored children trying to sort of find their place and fit in after they've been, you know, recently rescued from the Borg. Um, how well did you think the plot lines sort of fit together in that sort of overall theme? Yeah, I think that it fits it pretty well. Again, I think that the biggest problem with a lot of Voyager uh, is that because we had the taste of the continual storylines in Deep Space Nine, you'd like to almost continue seeing this, you know, like Seven of Nine's a teacher one episode and the next episode, she's like, those kids are all gone and she's off doing something different, right? And the same thing with uh, the Lindsay Ballard character, she's gone, Harry's on to some other new person the next episode and stuff like that. So I think that it would have had a bit more resonance if it had 
kind of lasted a bit longer. But other, other than that, I think that the theme 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 fit with pretty well. Yeah, I tend to agree. Like like for the you know for the Borg children, they're in like a totally brand new situation. They're you know they're no longer assimilated. They're, they're and they're you know and I mean they're they're also children, right? And I mean that's sort of a, a theme that you see a lot with movies about or shows about younger younger folks that are trying to you know sort of find their place in the world and then you know Lindsay Ballard is also sort of going through a similar thing where she's trying to sort of reintegrate herself into a, a familiar sis, uh, situation even though she's been away from it for a long time and she's sort of undergoing these like you know fundamental changes to her to her she's no longer human right, right. so um, yeah, I mean, I thought the struggles of the children in this episode in Ballard, like, I thought they were, they mirrored each other really nicely. I thought they both sort of... And they balanced each other, too, because the Ballard one is kind of sad, whereas the Borg children one is kind of funny, so it made it feel more digestible overall as an episode. Yeah, it wasn't, like, overwhelming one way or another. It's sort of, you know, at one point you're like, oh, look at Ballard, she's having such a rough time, and then the kids are like, also having a rough time, but they're having a fun time doing right. it. Right, and the audience is laughing at it as it's happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, why don't we talk a little bit about um, the casting characters in uh, this episode. Um, let's start with Lindsay Ballard. Um, uh, what, what did you think of the, the, the character? I like the character. I mean, I don't want to harp on it all, the whole thing, but I think that it would have been best if they had set her up ahead of time a little bit. I think that that would have made, that would have made just a little bit more connection, which would have been nice. I think that uh, Kim Rhodes did a pretty good job in terms of when she first got there, she was so bubbly and happy and everything about her character early on was good. And, and you could just see it decaying away as she became uh, Jet Laya. And uh, that was all really good. So I think that uh, perfect casting in terms of, uh, in terms of the, the actress for sure. Yeah, I tend to agree. I thought that the it was a really I thought it was really good initially, giving this sort of portrayal of her as being sort of like this carefree, sort of can sort of kind of flamboyant uh, kind of character. There's that I thought the scene when she like got her was unpacking her her things from storage and she just like throws the clothes all over the place and just didn't seem to care. I thought that was a pretty good setup, and I I agree that it was a very good uh, choice of. Uh, actor uh for that for that character uh, next uh, on the list here is uh Corette. um uh, what, what did you think of uh, ballard's uh Kobali, uh father uh, like i said i thought that the actor was good and i thought that um the it was i don't know if it was meant to be kind of villainous or whether it was meant to be kind of sad i took it as sad i think i was kind of maybe a sentimental spot when I was watching this episode or something because I felt really bad for most of the characters that were involved. Lindsay Ballard, I just knew that it was going a certain way and when the father showed up I felt bad for him too. Now I guess that being said, it's everything ends up happy because she ends up going back. Um and the only thing that's really a loss was Lindsay Ballard who was already dead beforehand, right? So I mean there really was probably the best situation. But yeah, I thought that he was good. My sort of take on him is a little bit different, I guess. Um I mean, he, he really sort of played the father part really well, I thought, because, uh, like, at the very beginning, he was, like, he was just pleading with her to come back, come home. Like, she's like, oh, your, bro like, your brother and your sister, they're mm -hmm. waiting for you and all this. And, we, like, when she refused to come back at first, like, he was like, 
I'm you're you're coming home, whether you like it yeah. or not. And he was like dead He's set. Desperate. He was like, I'll fight till the death if I have to, but you're not. I'm not going to give you up um, that easily. And I thought that was um, I, I thought it was pretty well done. I thought it was pretty realistic. I mean, think of it from from his perspective. It, I think it was I thought it was pretty well done. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit just sort of about the, about the children. Um, I, I sort of wanted to just sort of talk about them as a sort of like an ensemble because I, I, I mean, Mazzotti was kind of like the sort of one, the yeah. main one, but I, I really think that you sort of can look at them as a, as a whole in this episode because they, I don't know, what do, you, what do you think? I think that, again, it's a great idea. The idea that you save some children that were formerly Borg and you want to try to kind of like reacclimate them to your society and there's going to be problems and you've got the former board teacher trying to, to help them in that process. I think that, again, it's a great idea. I think the board children show up a, a handful of times throughout the series, and I, I have kind of good thoughts about it. It seems like, you know, children in Star Trek don't really necessarily go well together all the time. Like, you always kind of have, like, that Picard reaction where you don't want kids on the bridge. But that being said, the board children is a neat idea, and I'm happy to see more of them yeah they i thought they were pretty good um i mean they they as a whole i thought that they sort of did it were a good um sort of piece to have in the episode because um i mean i think the the struggle to fit in is always a little bit more pronounced and maybe a little bit more relatable when you have it sort of from a uh, the perspective of a child or, or mm-hmm. i mean i guess in this case each is probably a teenager by now because I mean, we I think most people can sort of re- relate to that because you know we all sort of struggle to to fit in when we're you know that age. So mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. And I mean, it led to a lot of really good, funny, sort of memorable moments. Um, the one that sort of sticks out to me is when when Icheb like freaked out. Yeah. After she like punished the twins because they were cheating, and, and she's like, "You will initiate punishment protocol." And he's like, "Ah, oh, this is this is so unfair. What are you doing?" And yeah. yeah. I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah no, it's great. Um, now, I think we should maybe talk a little bit more about um, Seven's, like, struggle to keep the kids under control. Um, I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit, but, I mean, specifically Seven's, like, interactions with the kids. Like, what did you think of that? Yeah, I think it's kind of showing that character growing a little bit more. I think that it was, they kind of tried to make it a bit more interesting because she tries to quit, and Chakotay doesn't let her, so then she has to go back and you know, rise above it, that kind of thing. She learns a little bit about how human children learn through play and through uh, being more creative than maybe with bored children just kind of getting the information dumped into their servos or whatever. So I thought that part of it was good, and I thought that uh, it was, yeah, it was an interesting, and again, an interesting idea. There's a lot of interesting pieces to this episode, and that's just another one of them. Yeah, I, I really thought Jerry Ryan did a great job in this episode because um, she sort of stayed true to her character at the beginning with that like really rigid mm-hmm. schedule and like, you know, you will do this, then you will do that, then you will do this, and, and, and so on. And and I thought her frustration with them was also really well right, done. Yeah. Like she was like she was legitimately like, I don't know what to do with these kids. Mm-hmm. Like Chakotay, you need to you know, make this someone else's problem. I can't handle this. And mm-hmm. then um, sort of showing a little little growth over the course of the episode and eventually at the end sort of like giving them a little bit of rope and sort of like seeing like okay you know what I, maybe I can't handle these kids yeah and I think I mean a lot of parents could probably relate teachers and daycare providers and stuff I'm sure that this oh, yeah. is not, nothing new right yeah definitely 
Um, you're, I didn't really find a whole lot of production uh, tidbits that I found interesting. I mean, I, I guess maybe we could talk about the makeup. Uh, I thought it was really good. Yeah, the makeup was always good in Voyager. This one was actually uh, nominated for an Emmy, which was kind of uh, cool. I always like when, when Star Trek gets some, you know, award cred. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, the other little interesting thing that I kind of found was, so um, Ashes to Ashes is a Christian burial thing, right? Ashes to Ashes, Dust to Dust. Yes. Um, and in Star Trek Online, which I play occasionally on the PS4, um, Kim Rhodes, who played uh, Lindsay Ballard, actually voiced an episode uh, in Star Trek Online, and it was called Dust to Dust. Oh, yeah, it's okay. cool, yeah. That is a nice, interesting little piece of uh, trivia. Yeah, so um, I just recently got, uh, it's like they call the Delta Pack, and it is um, kind of takes place like with Voyager and like all the, the characters and stuff like that, and actually got a lot of the, um, a lot of the main actors, like Neelix and Tuvok and stuff, they actually got the, the real voices to come and, and, and do some of the, mm-hmm. the voice work, which is really cool. And again, they got Kim Rhodes, who did Lindsay Ballard, which is, again, a neat little piece of trivia, which I thought was cool, and it ties in with the whole um, burial phrase, right? Yes, uh, most definitely. Uh, now let's move on to some, some of the memorable scenes and lines in this. Uh, was there, were there one or two in particular that, that stood out to you? I think I already said mine. Mine is fun will now commence. I want to start all of my like birthday parties and uh, soirees, events, and stuff like that by saying fun will now commence. I thought that was just great. The delivery of that line was uh, brilliant. Yeah, I guess it's got to be deadpan, right? The, the kids sit down. They're around the Cod board. She sort of looks around and announces, fun will now commence. Mm-hmm. It was great. And how are you? Um, there's one... The scene with Chakotay was, I think, probably... For me, like the best part of the episode, um, only because she puts the schedule up on the big like screen in right. Astrometrics, and it is like full of anything that you can imagine that kids would not want to do, <laughs> and except for that one half hour between o four hundred or sorry, um, I think it was like fourteen hundred and fourteen thirty, and it just said fun. Fun. And he's like, and Chakotay like looks at it. He's just like incredulous. He's like, you can't, you can't do this with kids. Like this is ridiculous. Look at this schedule. There's no time for them to like to live. be free and to live. Yeah, and have fun. And she's like, oh, but look, there's a little half hour block for fun. And he's like, no, 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 you can't, you can't do this. You gotta, you gotta do something different. Um, yeah, no, that is a great scene. Yeah. There's another line where um, the doctor's sort of talking about, um, uh, he's sort of going over what he's going to do to make Ensign Ballard look more more human. And I think, wasn't there like something where he was like, I can't fix your hair? Right, yeah, they can fix the facial features and yeah. eyebrows and stuff like that, but they can't actually do like the, head, the hair on your head. Yeah, and then he said, um, hair is one of my specialties, despite evidence to the contrary. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was really good. And then there's also that line where um, Paris and Harry are like walking down the corridor, and, and Paris is like talking about all his tobaccos uh, um, oh, yeah. with women. The line is, uh, he says, now let's see, for those of us keeping score, Harry Kim has fallen for a hologram, a Borg, the wrong twin, and now the dearly departed. Yes, that is, that is a great line. I also love that uh, he mentions that uh, he's going to the, try the hockey program. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, the hockey program. 
Matt and I are both big hockey fans, so if we yeah. if there was a hollow deck around here, we would definitely be in the hockey program if uh, if it existed. Yeah, Paris is uh, Paris is a famous hockey program that I believe we actually see once more. Isn't there one episode where they're like walking on the corridors with like hockey equipment on? And, yeah, I think yeah, there, there is. There yeah. Is, yeah. So I don't know if we ever actually see the rink. I think it's always like kind of skates or over the shoulders and that kind yeah. of stuff, right? So. Yes. All right, uh, I think that brings us to uh, just some, some final comments, and then we're going to give uh, a rating out of five 26-sided polyhedrons. Um, what, do you, what, did you, what, do you, what do you what do you have to say to sum it up? I really like this episode, and I really wanted it to be uh, just a little bit better. Um, it's very watchable. It flew by. The 45 minutes just was just zip through. Um, I think that as kind of a standalone episode, it's really good, but amongst the story, it just kind of seems out of place because they never set it up ahead of time. And maybe it's just a little bit of that Deep Space Nine fever that I have where I want it to have a little bit of continuity, uh, but I, I really just couldn't, I couldn't get past it. And again, I felt like it was. I would, I would, have, I would have bet money that Lindsay Ballard was in an earlier episode and she died and she came up. So maybe that is that that shows that they did such a good job with setting it all up. Uh, but because they didn't really do a they didn't do any kind of legwork in the beginning parts, I think I'm gonna go with three out of five. And what did we say? They're twenty-six sided polyhedrons. Polyhedrons. That was what each had sculpted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what about yourself? What did you think of this episode? Uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty solid episode. Um, I really liked the idea of bringing back the dead uh, crew member as part of the, the reproductive process. I thought it was really original and a really clever uh, way to bring back um, a crew member. Uh, the, the foreshadowing was a little bit blunt, and I thought the end was a little bit predictable. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, I think it would have been a little bit more effective if there was like a little bit more doubt during that final battle if she was actually going to... Mm -hmm. surrender herself yep. to them. I agree totally um, but the, the, I mean the secondary story with the the, uh, the the kids was great I thought that was probably the for me like having watched it really like you know within the last week I thought that was actually the best part of the episode um, you know it's sort of harkened back to two and seven of nine first joined the crew and really struggled to to find her place and fit in so I, I thought that part of it was really good um, and I mean, it was kind of memorable. I, I mean, when I when you pulled the name out of the the, the hat last week, I, I remembered almost immediately which one it was. So I mean, I guess it did leave an impression on me um, over the years. Um, I, I'm really torn as to like a, giving it a number. I mean, if we were doing uh, if we were doing point fives, I, I think know, it would point fives. Uh, that's what the key is, right? Yeah. Like I probably would have went three point five on this one, but I kind of yeah. went three because of the fact that it didn't set it up ahead of time. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I'm going to have to give it three as well, 26-sided polyhedrons. I mean, it was a really solid episode with a cool premise, but um, I, I think it, it maybe could have been a little bit better. Yeah, and I mean, I think maybe that's kind of the nature of, of some of these things, is that when you, when you watch them kind of just randomly, as we do, there, there isn't a certain flow. You're not really invested in the characters per se in that moment. You kind of see the episode as it would be if you were just a casual fan who flipped the TV on back in 
the late 90s, early 2000s just to watch an episode, right? And I think that you'd enjoy this one and you'd have a laugh and maybe have a cry if you were feeling sentimental like me. And then uh, that would be it, right? You would probably flip it over to whatever was else was popular at the time. <laughs> So wait, did you cry at the? End of I did season? not. I did not cry at the end of this one. Uh, there, there are there's a handful of Star Trek episodes that I'm not uh, too proud to admit and can really get to me. But this was not one of them. I felt bad. I felt sad. All the rest of it. But I definitely didn't didn't shed any tears this time. All right, we've uh, I think we've uh, done a a good. Uh, Number on Ashes to Ashes, it's now time to reveal uh, the next episode that we're going to uh, review on the next edition of RTR. So um, I'm going to reach deep into the French beret full of episodes, and I'm going to pull out the next one. And as always, Andrew's going to have one minute to tell me everything he can about... Oh, we have our first two-part episode. Oh, a two-parter, Matt. You better... Uh, you better just remind the viewers what happens in a situation where we have a two-parter. So what we'll do, so for this little this segment in, we're going to give Andrew 90 seconds instead of a minute because he's going to have to recount two parts. Um, and then what we'll do is we will do, or the, the next podcast will be part one, and then the following podcast will be part two. Okay, sounds good. Okay, are you ready? Oh, or... I don't know. This is, gives me anxiety. I hope that everybody at home is playing along as well. So get a pad of paper and a pen like I have right now. i got my sleeves rolled up. It's true, they are. uh, I'm going to have to dig deep here. All right, hit me with it. What is it? Okay, it is from The Next Generation. The first part is uh, Season 6, Episode 26, and the second part is Season 7, Episode 1. And the title is Descent. Now, as Andrew said, if you're uh, following along at home, you want to play along at home, uh, I'd suggest you pause the podcast and grab a piece of paper and a writing utensil or maybe the notes app on your mobile phone and uh, see what you can write down and remember for uh, this episode. Um, Two-parter, which is uh, very exciting. We, I'm kind of surprised it's taken this long, actually. But anyway, uh, Andrew, uh, how are you doing over there? Are you just about ready? That must not have it. That must not be ninety seconds yet. Yeah, I got to put ninety seconds on the clock here. I haven't even done that. It's amateur hour here at Random Trek Review. Okay, are you uh, are you just about ready? I know it's a two parter. There's probably a lot a lot you got to. <laughs> I can remember so many little pieces. That's the problem. You can remember too much. I can remember so <laughs> many little parts, but the overall thing is very difficult to do. Yeah, the, the plot, some memorable lines, some trivia, some of the characters. There's, uh, there's a lot that you, a lot of possibilities. I, I think I, I think I've got it again. This is very difficult, but I I will. Okay. Okay, Andrew, are you uh, ready? I've got. Uh, I'm ready. Ninety seconds on the clock, and your time starts now. Okay, so Descent is obviously the season finale of uh, season six. It is a lore episode, and this is an episode where lore somehow convinces Data or uh, reprograms Data so that they become a team-up. And I don't exactly remember what leads to the beginning of the first episode. I think that it has something to do with they think they found the Borg, and it ends in a situation where it is Picard and Geordi and Troy and 
Lore comes out and all the Borgs come out and that's how it ends. And they're in a big gray room with the big Borg symbol and everything like that. And essentially the story is is that Lore has found this squadron of Borg and he has kind of trained them to follow his whims and things like that. And then he's also got Data and Data's turned into the right hand fist of um, his kind of like little mini army. And so then the second part of it is Riker and... Uh, the doctor and a couple of other random people down on a planet looking for where Picard and everybody is and there's a hilarious scene where some I think it's um, I think it's Gates McFadden she comes and she goes I think I see something and they walk up this little hill and there's this massive compound and a lot of the second episode is about uh, Geordi they're doing like these torture things on him and they keep putting him back in the cell and eventually Picard tries to you know he fakes an injury and he gets out and then Laura stops it and he wants to test Data's uh, like loyalty to him, and he wants Data to basically kill Picard, and he doesn't. He turns on it, and he ends up killing Laura. I think this might be actually the last episode that Laura's in. Laura dies at the end of this one, and that's the last time and that we see him. Your time is up. <laughs> All right. Um, that's not bad. Yeah, you. this is definitely a Borg episode, and it's definitely a Lore episode, and... Um... I always really like this episode. Uh, yeah, and you know, I think that in the future we might even need to go to uh, a, a full two minutes because um, I, I remember a lot of the second part of it, but I, the hard part of it is remembering why and how Picard get captured by um, by Data and Lore. I, it might even just be that Data captures them on the Enterprise or something like that. And then uh, Riker and everyone else has to go searching for them. We'll have to watch it and find out. And yeah, we've got our next two-week set, which is That's kind of true. exciting. That's true. Yep. Uh, next uh, next podcast will be part one, and the one following will be part two. So it'll be one week where we don't have to recall an episode. Oh, yeah. That's going to be kind of sad, isn't it? It's my favorite bit, even though it's very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that's all the time we have uh, for this podcast. Uh, We thank you for joining us on Random Shrek Review, and we hope you will join us next time on RTR as we take a look at the first part of the TNG episode, Descent. So long. Bye. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I think we all thought Ransom was going to go into that fight scene, thinking that it was game over before it even started and he was going to lose. But I think the moment he rips his uniform off, (laughs) which is hard anyway to rip a shirt, but to rip an actual like jacket like that, Mm. pretty impressive. And then he had like, about, I don't know, I think it was like 62 abs. He just looked ripped. And then he was just like, you know, a little bit of this. Yeah. A little bit of that. I was just going to say, it was the way that he also narrated it. It was just perfect. It was great. Ransom definitely went to the school of Kirk Fu. Ransom Fu, maybe we should be calling it. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Voyages, a Star Trek original, animated, and Kelvin Films podcast. Full honesty, I did find that the scene was seemingly long when they were driving with him and and Scotty to get to the Enterprise when they were in their little capsule. I felt that that was a very long scene driving around the whole Enterprise. But 
find yourself someone in life that looks at you the way Kirk looked at the Enterprise. I mean, that was a beautiful moment. And I absolutely adored when Spock came back onto the Enterprise. Just how everybody on the bridge, like Yuhura and Chekhov and everybody, they just kind of rallied around him. And it was a really warming moment just to see that original core group of people just celebrate him and happy to see him. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.